Our first reading for today is from the fifth chapter of 1 Corinthians. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present, with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed, or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what, I ha- what have I to do with judging outsiders? It is not those inside the church whom you are to judge. God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from the 19th chapter of John. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns, in the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, 
If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather, This man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue our recitation of the small catechism with confession. What is the office of the keys? The office of the keys is that special authority which Christ has given to his church on earth to forgive the sins of repentant sinners, but to withhold forgiveness from the unrepentant as long as they do not repent. Where is this written? This is what St. John the Evangelist writes in chapter 20. The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What do you believe according to these words? I believe that when the called ministers of Christ deal with us by his divine command, in particular when they exclude openly unrepentant sinners from the Christian congregation, and absolve those who repent of their sins and want to do better. This is just as valid and certain, even in heaven, as if Christ our dear Lord dealt with us himself. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In this passage we just read on confession, we have something that's Really amazing happening when we think about it. Uh, The first part says that Christ himself has given authority to his church here on earth to forgive the sins of those who are repentant and to also withhold forgiveness from those who are unrepentant as long as they don't repent. It's really fascinating when we think about it because then later it says that this is just as valid and certain what, what happens here. As if Christ our dear Lord was dealing with us himself. It's amazing when we think about it. 
Because as I've said the past couple weeks, it's so easy for us to, I don't want to say go through the motions with confession, because I hope we never do that when we confess our sins. But it's easy for us, I think, for all of us, even when we're not going through the motions, it's easy for us to not always realize what is so fantastically amazing about what's happening to us. Then when we confess our sins and when we're forgiven of them, that's just as good as if Jesus Christ himself was standing right in front of you and forgiving your sins. Because even what the pastor says, I, 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 say upon the, I, I say that I stand in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ. In the stead means in the place of, on behalf of. But really it's Christ dealing with us. But it's always the two things, to forgive the sins, but then also to not forgive the sins of those who are unrepentant. That's a part we don't often think about. And that does, does happen sometimes. And in fact, we read about that today in our, our passage from 1 Corinthians. And we may not have even realized that this is what was happening, but this is what was happening. The Apostle Paul was telling the Corinthians to not forgive the sins of someone. Why? Because he was unrepentant. Here's the passage. It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife. And you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. So a man has his father's wife. That he's having relations with her. Normally when we think of that, we would think, well, that's his mother, isn't it? Well, probably not. Most likely a stepmother. And that this man was a member of the Christian congregation in Corinth. And they actually sounded like they were proud of it. Applauded it. They were very progressive. They were the San Francisco of their time. Okay? If that helps. Hopefully that says it all. And, and, and they were like, yay, good for us. And Paul said, no. What are you thinking? Even the pagans don't do this. And you're doing this? Remove him. And for the rest of the passage, Paul talks about this, of removing this man who committed this sexual immorality. It sounds drastic. Why would they do that? Well, this man, in, in doing what he was doing, this type of sexual immorality, he was denying everything that Jesus did for him that paved the way for his forgiveness. He's tossing everything Jesus suffered and died for to the side and choosing to live in this immorality, whatever that immorality could be. So everything that we read about also in this John 19 passage of Jesus wearing a, being forced to wear a purple robe and mocked what he, Jesus went through, this man's tossing it aside. The carrying of his cross through the streets and being spit on by people. This man in Corinth is tossing it to the side. The fact that Jesus had nails hammered into his hands and feet. That he was hoisted up on a cross. They hung there for six hours for this man in Corinth. 
Well, this man in Corinth is tossing all that aside so that he can engage in this immorality with his stepmother. But that is not what Christ wants. What Christ wants is for all of us not to deny what he did for us on the cross, but to embrace it. To realize when we look at that cross up there that we don't just see Jesus alone. We actually should see ourselves in that crucifixion. We should see that on that cross, Jesus allowed a part of us to also die with him. Our sinful nature. And that we we don't deny what Jesus did. We embrace it. Because when we look at that cross, we can and we should see also ourselves. That part of us that loves to sin is also being put to death. Paul wrote about this young man a little bit more. Told the Corinthians to remove him. And it sounds like they did. They did exactly what Paul said. Because when Paul wrote his second letter to the Corinthians, he received word apparently that the man had repented, left this sin, stopped having relations with his stepmother. And and I say this because in 2 Corinthians, Paul speaks about bringing this man back in to the congregation, giving him forgiveness, giving him the Lord's Supper, And doing this so that the devil doesn't run away with him. But that's what repentance is to do. It's to bring us, not to kick us out, bring us back. Bring us back to the church where sins can be forgiven like they should be. After all, isn't that why Jesus went to the cross in the first place? He went to the cross so he could forgive our sins. That's what he wants. He doesn't want to push anyone away from him. The exact opposite. Jesus wants to draw everyone to him. And through his death and through his resurrection, he does that very thing for all of us every single day. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.